Appreciate you guys being here tonight uh, as we kind of wrap up this last in this series uh, as we've been going through Uplift. I want to share with you tonight one of the ugliest words in the English dictionary. Are you ready? Here it is. Ungrateful. Let's say it together. Ungrateful. Now say it in a way as if you were telling somebody that they were ungrateful. 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 Nobody likes to be this. Nobody. And the interesting thing about this word is it's even uglier uh, because the person who is ungrateful does not see themselves as that in the mirror. We can tell when somebody is depressed. We can tell when somebody is filled with sorrow. We can tell when somebody is angry. But this one, ungrateful, is hard to see in the mirror. As a matter of fact, if I were bold enough to call some of you out, I don't know why I'm pointing at you, John, but if I were bold enough to, to point some of you out and say, you're ungrateful, immediately if I pointed at you or you or certainly you, what would our defenses would go up, wouldn't they? We would go up and we would find ourselves saying, I am not ungrateful. I am not ungrateful at all. And so the point I want us to make as we begin tonight and as we finish up this series is point one. You've got outlines on the table. It's easy to see ingratitude in others, but difficult to see in ourselves. It's easy to see ingratitude in others difficult to see in ourselves. How many of you would say, man, that is true. I can see it in others. And some of you right now are thinking, man, my son or my daughter needs to hear this. My spouse needs to hear this. My coworkers need to hear this. My boss needs to hear this because I see it in them, but they don't see it in themselves. It's easy to see ingratitude in others, but difficult to see in ourselves. A point two. Gratitude keeps us from having a mindset of entitlement. Gratitude keeps us from having a mindset of entitlement. We live in a world of entitlement, yes? Where everybody feels like they deserve something. You owe it to me. I feel privileged in some way. That I, uh, you need to give me something for free. Even though I have not worked for it, I want it for free. I'm entitled to it. Let's give everyone a trophy. Let's give everyone a trophy. We're all entitled to it. But gratitude keeps us from having a mindset of entitlement. I wish you could go with me when I go on my trips. We take, I go to Sam's Club before we leave. And I get a huge bag of those Starburst candy. And uh, there are kids everywhere. There's adults everywhere. Uh, adults, the candy overseas is not even close to what it is in the United States. And so in our teaching time, as we're asking questions, we'll throw some candy to somebody. And they can't catch overseas either. I've realized that as well. And, and as these kids are kind of around and they're on the street, we always play a game with them where we'll take a Starbucks and we'll hide it behind our back and then we'll do one of these. And it's always fun. And I've noticed something overseas, that the kids are kind of uh, smashed in and they're watching and a kid will get a piece of candy and how thankful they are for a small 
little dinky piece of candy. And I mean, it is amazing. And, and, and then they'll have their friend. They want their friend to go. Not, they don't want to just say, let me do it again. They want their friend to go. They're excited that their friend wins. I can't help but think that maybe in the United States, if we played that game with kids or even adults, they'd want the whole bag, not just the piece of candy. Gratitude, gratitude keeps us from having a mindset of entitlement. When you have an attitude of gratitude, you begin to appreciate what you have been given, whether you work for it or not. Point three, ingratitude can drive people's hearts out of a relationship. Ingratitude can drive people's hearts out of a relationship. Some of you have been in a relationship that was thriving and it was warm and it was filled with joy and filled with life. But gradually it shut down over time because one or both people stopped being grateful and expressing gratitude to each other. And the relationship died. You want your relationships to thrive in your business? You want your relationships to thrive at home? You don't have to be a, a rocket scientist. Just have an attitude of being grateful. And that will cause the relationship to be uplifted and it will grow. And that person, they will find themselves becoming grateful as well. Well, in Luke 17, there is a passage in Luke 17 that we see Jesus encountering 10 men uh, that really reflect and kind of raise the bar in this whole area of expressing gratitude. It is a passage, guys, that we have heard since we've been little. It, this is not a passage that you'll go, oh, I have never read this before. It's a passage that we heard when we were kids. Maybe we heard it in vacation Bible school. Uh, maybe we uh, heard it at camp somewhere along the line. Uh, uh, Sunday school, uh, flannel graph. Some of you are like, I have no clue what flannel graph is. How many of you remember flannel graph? Yeah, a few of you. Yeah. This is one that we emphasize the children. But hold on. I think what we're going to cover tonight is essential. For us as men, it is essential. If we want our life to matter and we want it to be a reflection of how Christ is grateful and how Christ has shown us gratitude after gratitude after gratitude, I think it's a great example for us to follow as men tonight. So let's jump in. Luke 17, 11 to 19. We're going to put it up here and we're going to stop every once in a while so that you get a, a flavor for what's going on. Now on his way, and the hymn is Jesus. Jesus is on his way uh, to Jerusalem. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Guys, if I can just give you a quick picture of Israel. You've got Judea down here. You've got Samaria. You've got Galilee up here. So Jesus would travel from here around or sometimes through uh, Samaria uh, in the Galilee. Sometimes he's in Galilee. He comes back down into Judea. A lot of walking in Jesus' ministry. But he is right on the border here, it says, uh, between Samaria and Galilee. He's trying to stay out of the public eye. 
And he comes to a village, it tells us, where there are ten men. And these ten men have what? They have leprosy. Um, and, and they meet him. And they call, from, call to him from a distance. And they say, Jesus, Master, have what? Pity on us. Have pity on us. Now, uh, in case you don't know the biblical culture of the day, a leprosy was known as a dreaded disease. It was a fearful disease, a death sentence for some people. It was contagious. And, and people in this culture uh, thought leprosy was, was uh, the end of all things. So if somebody had a blemish or a mark on their arm or their leg or their neck that wasn't there before, immediately people would think of leprosy. And they would automatically panic and say, you've got leprosy. And the moment that word leprosy is said, they are shunned. They are banished. And they are shunned and become outcasts in their community. Uh, their time in the temple, of uh, their job, they are sent away from their family. They have no social interaction at all unless they fellowship with other people who have leprosy. I'm told, too, from time to time, if someone had leprosy in this culture, uh, they would either have a bell or something that would uh, uh, make noise to indicate to somebody that they have leprosy and that they're in their vicinity. And that many times, and you've seen this in Scripture, where they even had to say what when they were around others. Unclean, unclean. And so they were banished. They were shunned. And so there are ten here that are standing at a distance, call out to Jesus in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, it says, he said, go, show yourself to the priests. Show yourself to the priests. A person with leprosy, in order to be restored back into their community, had to go to the priest, and that priest would do what? Would give verification, would give proof that that person was now cleansed or healed, and so they could be brought back into society, so they could work again, have their family again, fellowship at the temple again, all of these things. So the priests were given the authority by God to determine if they could return to their family, community, etc., by Jesus telling the ten, and this is where we need to think. By Jesus telling the ten, go, show yourself to the priests, he's asking those ten to what? Believe. To trust in Jesus. To trust that they will be healed. That he will deliver on his promise. To walk by faith. And Jesus knew that when these ten got to the priests, the priests were going to ask, how did this happen? And they would be able to proclaim and share that they were walking along, and as they were walking along, they were what? They were cleansed. They were cleansed. And as they went, as they went, uh, the healing occurred. Not when they reached the priest, but as they went. 
having put their faith in what Jesus had said, they were cleansed. Now, um, here's where the story gets interesting. In verse 15, it says this. Then one of them, if we go to the next slide, yes. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. How, how many? Did 10 of them come back? Nine of them. How many? One of them. One of them, when they saw that they were healed on the way to the priests, does a U-turn and realizes my hands, whether it's my neck, whether it's my arms, but all of a sudden my flesh is changed. I am healed. And so he comes back and he is restored. Skin is smooth. Praising God in a loud voice. How many went on their way? Tell me. Uh, how, how many went to the priests? Ten. Ten. How many were healed? Ten. Uh, they all experienced the healing from Jesus. How many returned to show gratitude? One. One. It says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And then Luke says something, and he was a... Samaritan. Almost like a side note that Luke throws this in. Oh, by the way, this was a Samaritan. Now, without going into a lot of detail, Samaritan was kind of like a half-breed. Okay? They were not really seen as a full Jew. Because in, in, in time past, they had started to intermarry with Gentiles. And so they had children. And so those children, though they were Jewish, but they were not full-blooded Jews. And so the full-blooded Jews saw the Samaritans and they despised them. A full-blooded Jew would say, the dirt on my, the bottom of my soul is more worthy than a Samaritan. The Samaritan was hated by the full-blooded Jew. And yet we see something about Jesus here. Who returns and thanks Jesus? The Samaritan. Which tells us that Jesus does not heal only those of a particular ethnicity or race or color or creed. He doesn't care about any of that. He cares about one thing. He cares about the heart. Because the heart is the heart. And it doesn't have a color in the sense of prejudice and racism. And so Jesus, Luke tells us, oh, and by the way, this guy was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asks the question. I find this so interesting. Were not all ten cleansed? What's the answer? Yes, all ten were cleansed. Where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Jesus points out as if to say, what's wrong with this picture? For, for the one who came back, gratitude was given and gratitude was received. But for the other nine, the loop of gratitude is not complete. It's still open. He says, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, when you first hear this story and you hear that nine went away and didn't come back and only one came back, our attitude towards the nine is, you selfish little snot, you. Did you ever say that to your kids? 
Have you ever said that? My dad would say, you selfish little snot. It's often easy for us to think, you know what, such ingratitude. Nine of them, all of them were, were healed. Nine of them went on their way and only one returned. You ungrateful little snot. Jesus gave them back their life, gave them back their home, their family, their opportunity to, to go back to the temple, to go back to their job. And yet nine went on their merry way and only one was a returner. But I want you to consider something that we often overlook in this. This is where we often make an application and we go, hey, be the one, not the nine. If we could go back and we could run down those nine that got healed. And we could run up to them and we could say, hey, 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 can I, can I ask you a quick question? Um, aren't you thankful that Jesus healed you of leprosy? What do you think all nine of those men would say? Oh, absolutely. I am so thankful. As a matter of fact, I went home and I was rejoicing and they would retell the story. And they would say, it was one of the most remarkable days of my life because I got my family back. I got my job back. I got uh, time at the temple back. It has changed my life. But as grateful as they are, nine of them did not go back. Something's wrong with that picture. And I think those nine, who I'm sure were grateful, had the same setbacks some of us have here tonight. And that is this, this point four. They felt it, they just didn't express it. They felt it, but they just didn't express it. You tell your boss that you've got the most wonderful wife in the world. You tell your golfing buddy, man, I've got some fantastic kids. You tell your friends, man, I've got a great church and those pastors are incredible. And we tell them those things, but we never tell the person that we're supposed to tell. We feel it, but for some reason we don't express it. I want you to learn a good principle here tonight. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. It would be like coming down when you were little for Christmas and all of these gifts were there and you just rip open the gifts and after you're done, you run up to your room to play with all those toys. And as parents, all we're asking is what? I just need a thanks. I just need a hug. Do you think those kids are thankful? Oh, absolutely. They felt it, they didn't express it. But unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. And I believe this is critical in order for our relationships to survive. Now I want to play a quick video for you. Okay? I want you to watch it, and I want you to tell me what this girl did that made the difference in this relationship. Take a look. Wow. College already. <laughs> yeah. We gotta go. Yeah. 
she do she turned around and it was just something that was simple that we just think oh yeah yeah but you have no idea the impact that made in dad for her to say thank you for everything she felt it she expressed it but oftentimes unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude when someone has shown you gratitude, here, here it is, guys. Do you respond like the one or do you respond like the nine? That's the question tonight. When someone shows you gratitude, when somebody does something for you, when somebody says something, when someone goes out of their way, do you, are you like the one who returns and expresses that gratitude and closes that loop? of gratitude and how many of us are like the nine we felt it but we never really expressed it and so because of that that person sometimes feels as if you're ungrateful so I remember uh, a couple years ago I was in Moldova you're like where in the world is Moldova it's right beside Ukraine and uh, we were in this small sliver of land called Transnistria. And we were going from uh, um, this small city to another small city. Uh, it was taking us a couple hours. About three quarters of the way there, we stop at a house where there's this pastor to have lunch. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever had borscht, okay? Uh, I, I, uh, it's, it's like beets and cabbage and, you know, it's... It's, I mean, you load up a car after abortion. I mean, you got enough gas to last your lifetime. Dean, you know what you mean. And yeah, I was with you. And, uh, uh, and so uh, Dean, Dean was there for this. Dean was there for this. I can't remember exactly the name of the, uh, uh, the place you're going. But we walk in and this big, large babushka of a woman is standing there. You know, I mean, whatever, however you can uh, picture her, you've got a good picture of her, Okay. And she's standing there, and she has laid out a spread of food like you wouldn't believe. And there is borscht, okay? And there is a borscht that you have uh, in Ukraine that is beets, and it's red, and it's sick. And then there's a borscht that they make in Moldova. And I don't know what this lady did, but it, there was salad on the table. There was bread on the table and as much soup as we wanted to have. And I sat down. And I started to eat, and I'm telling you, it was phenomenal. I was just like, this is so good. And that big babushka woman is standing over there in the corner with her arms like this. And I turn with an empty bowl, and I go, and she went. <laughs> she came over, gave me more soup. 
I ate it, enjoying it, and I thought I could do another bowl. I turned to the lady, and she's standing there, and I go, and she goes, picture bad teeth, yeah, that's it, okay? And she, I made her day. I made her day. And I kept raving about the meal and raving about the soup. She didn't speak a, a bit of English. It didn't matter. She saw by my actions alone how much I appreciated it. And I kept thinking, oh, this is so good. This is so good. This is so good. Everyone is done eating. And I get up and she is standing there. And they are starting to trail out. And I kind of go ahead of everyone. And Dean, I don't know if you remember this, but I grabbed that lady and I gave her the biggest hug. And I gave her a kiss on the cheek that she'll never forget. And she stood there. (laughs) Unexpressed gratitude comes off as ingratitude. I felt it. And I want to make sure I what? Expressed it. Expressed it. Um, Principle number two here. Gratitude closes the loop in our relationship with God and others. Guys, think for a second. of How often the Lord is trying to get our attention. Think of the things that the Lord has accomplished in your life. Think of the times where you have been on your bed or on your knees and you said, Lord, you've got to bail me out of this situation. I need your help. And all of a sudden, he answers that prayer and we go on with life. And we completely forget to express our gratitude and to be able to connect that loop and to say thank you. Our salvation Man, we can't thank him enough for it. We are saved by the blood of the lamb. And no one in here could do that themselves. Only Christ can do that. We have an incredible place called heaven that he is preparing for us. I don't think any of us when we get to heaven are going to go, yeah, yeah, I'm entitled to this. I think we will all feel it and express it. The things that the Lord has done where you were out of a job and all of a sudden the Lord opened up a door and to this, door, to this day you find yourself saying, only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. Uh, relationships that he brings into your life. When you're sitting there and you've just taken a medical test and you're not quite sure what you have, And the results come back and you have said, Lord, whether it's good or whether it's bad, yet I will praise you. And the tests come back and they're good. And we go on with life. And we forget to go back and fall at his feet and thank him like that Samaritan. Gratitude closes the loop in our relationship with God and others. Some of you are married in here tonight. Some of you are not married in here tonight. Some of you wish you weren't married in here tonight. Okay? But listen, I've shared this with you before, but the underwear fairy just does not show up. All of a sudden, it's like the underwear continually is there. How does that happen? Because somewhere there's a wife that says, I promise to love you. 
in sickness and in health and in stains and in everything. Yes. But oftentimes we feel it, but we don't express it. People that have um, taken an extra shift for you so that you could do something else. Uh, a friend who bailed you out when you needed it the most. Uh, someone who goes and, and fills up your tank. My, my son just uh, asked if he could borrow our Honda CRV. This is a great trade. He goes, Dad, can I borrow the Honda CRV to go down to Columbus? You can drive my Jeep. And I'm like, absolutely, son, absolutely. And then I got sick and I couldn't drive it hardly at all. But what I did drive, I made sure I put gas in his car. Fully expecting that my car will be on empty. And I come back and I get in my car and it's full. I felt it. And you better believe I expressed it. I expressed it. Closing, gratitude closes the loop in our relationship with God and with others. Will you be the one to return and close the loop of gratitude with someone who has enabled you to move forward? Here's the application, guys, tonight. Who do I need to close the loop of gratitude with? And as we've been talking, there's somebody that's come to mind, I hope. Someone that all of a sudden is on your radar. Uh, someone that you think, you know what, it's been a while. I feel awkward now going to them and saying, I never thanked you for this. But don't let that hinder you or keep you from doing it. What I love is when I wrote down here, <laughs> sounds so weird, but I love what I wrote down here. Uh, they have done something for you. They have said something to you. They have influenced you in some way, which has caused you to move forward in the future with confidence. Do you know of someone like that? That you have failed to return and close the loop with? I'm going to give you a few minutes just at your table to just kind of ask that question, brainstorm, think. Uh, you may be sitting at your table tonight and say, you know what, I wasn't even thinking about it until you started. Oh, man, I, I need to go to this person. Whether it's send a text, a card, personally, I need to go to this person because this is a form of encouragement. I need to go to this person and close the loop of gratitude with them because I don't want to be like the nine that didn't. I want to be like the one that did. So I'm just going to give you a few minutes and uh, talk through that at your table, and then we'll continue. Guys, I want to take a couple minutes tonight and close the, the loop of gratitude with you. You have no idea how much you have ministered to me over the years. We have laughed, and we have seen God do a tremendous work in our lives. Some of you are new to this ministry. Some of you are veterans of this ministry. You were there for the very first time when we met. And I can't tell you enough in just words how much you have uplifted me. That there are Thursday nights when I come dragging in and there are many of you that uh, come alongside and are a source of strength and praying and just discussion. And uh, I always walk out every Thursday night uh, just being grateful for another opportunity to be with you. 
And so I want to close the loop of gratitude by being able to express that uh, to you tonight. Uh, many of you uh, may know already, over the last year, I have been seriously praying, my wife and I, about um, making a transition out of my role as men's ministry here at Maranatha and my preaching responsibilities as well to go with Equip Ministries International. Uh, now, most of you, because you've been here, you know what Equip Ministries International is and you know that I travel quite a bit overseas. And so uh, over the course of praying and making sure that my wife's on board, uh, we've made that decision to be able uh, to make that transition. And so uh, beginning September 1st, uh, Mike Duma will be overseeing our men's ministry. Uh, he is starting a series next week for six weeks called Twists and Turns on the Life of Joseph and to say that he is excited about it is an understatement. I think he will do a phenomenal job of being able to challenge us week after week after week. And so uh, Mike will uh, take over come September 1st. Until then, I'm still in charge. Uh, just want you to know that. Um, and so, uh, so thankful for him. And so um, uh, I want to put a, to rest a few rumors uh, there's a rumor that my wife and I are moving. We are not moving. Uh, we are here. Our uh, church is Maranatha Bible Church. And the only time you will not see me here is if I'm out on the road or if I'm preaching at another church. Now, there are some of you in here tonight that do not attend Maranatha Bible Church. I would ask that you would consider bringing me in on a Sunday morning. I would ask that you would consider having me do a men's breakfast. I would be more than happy to come in and do that. And so um, uh, another uh, rumor is, will I ever teach again on Thursday night? Well, that's really Mike's decision, okay? Uh, Mike may say, we've heard enough of Craig, okay? Uh, we've heard his stories, you know? Uh, uh, would I love to come back and continue to teach from time to time? Absolutely. And you know, when I'm not teaching, I will be here. Because my responsibility wasn't about a job description of doing men's ministry. My heart is with all of you. And I would give the shirt off of my back for any one of you. Well, most of you. And, uh, uh, and so uh, I will be here. Uh, so I don't want you to think, well, yeah, he's done with the men's ministry come September. We won't see him again. Every Thursday night, if I am here, I will be here. Because I love you men, and it's more than a job description, believe me. Or I would have quit this a long, long time ago. Um, we have shared that there is some incredible things. We have a refuel in April. It is a wing night. In May, we are having a steak night. In June, we are having burgers and brats. And in August, we are having a rib night. And so we are going to finish it off uh, right. And so, so thank you. Well, I want to close the loop uh, with a few people that have been extremely influential. Okay, I want to thank my good friend, Andy Spizak. 
Uh, Andy, every week, is back in that sound room doing PowerPoint, doing lights, doing sound. And he has saved my rear I don't know how many times in so many different ways. And if you know Andy, he's an encourager. If you know Andy, he is always willing to pray for you. Come alongside. He is really what we've been talking about the last five weeks. And so, brother, thank you for all that you have done. Uh, as often as we say thanks for the kitchen staff, guys, um, so grateful uh, for the kitchen staff. I know Adam Bear is in here. There you are, Adam. Adam uh, cooked for us for a long time and, and uh, made a transition out of that. But we've always had some incredible people that bring some food to the table so that we can enjoy physically and then food to the table spiritually. So thankful for them. I want to thank Steve Brick. Uh, Steve Brick is your go-to kind of guy. He's the Martha in, in uh, men's ministry. I don't know if you've noticed, but he'll be helping with the kitchen. He's over there doing coffee. Uh, when we are done here, he'll always grab that little stupid plastic white thing, and he'll go around and collect all the papers and the pens. You know why he does that? Do you think that's a spiritual gift? No. He does that because he knows that gives me time to be able to spend time with you. And so, Steve, where are you? You here? Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for what you do. I want to thank Steve Hutzfeld. Steve has been helping the last two, three years doing our prayer time. There's times where uh, myself or Steve will, will say, hey, I want you to go out with us tonight. And it's just the time. Uh, you, you may think, well, what goes on in that inner sanctum out there? What, what is happening out there? We're praying for the night. We're praying that your hearts would be softened. We're praying that if you are here and you don't know Christ, that something has been said tonight that would cause you to say, I need him in my life. If I continue to head down the road that I am, it will end up in a dead end. And I need Christ in my life. So we are praying for you. Uh, and then we're not just throwing this together or doing it in the flesh. So Steve, thank you so much for what, what you do. It's, it's a vital, vital part of our ministry. Uh, you men uh, having a spiritual appetite uh, when you come here. Uh, and I can look around tonight, and there are some of you, you have been in some bad shape over the years. And yet, uh, I, <laughs> I don't say that as a joke, but you know who you are. And uh, you have come regularly to Thursday night, and it's been like a, a balm. It, it's been a balm, and it's been a healing balm in your life that has caused you to say, I need this in my life. So I appreciate all of you that have that spiritual appetite week after week after week. Uh, and anyone who's ever filled in and has helped teach uh, over the years, we've been doing it since 95, guys, 95. And uh, trying to uh, bring something to the table every week so that we don't uh, uh, um, uh, crisscross is extremely difficult at times. And so I'm thankful for every guy. If you're sitting here and you have taught, uh, so thankful for what you have brought to the table. And I also want to uh, thank my, my very best friend, Jim Creed. He is an encourager. He is my biggest cheerleader. He is a person that probably has been more of a friend to me than I have been to him over the years. Someone that constantly is calling me up and saying, what's going on? 
and you just pour it out. So thankful for you. So thankful for your leadership. So if there were two horses that we could bring in tonight, we would ride off in the sunset together, uh, Jim Creed and I, before he has his last uh, passing, <laughs> passing time in his life. So thankful for how God has used us. It's been an incredible, incredible ride. Here's what we're just asking, that you be here, that you be here. This men's ministry was never about me. As much as I would have liked it to be, it was never about me. I would ask that you would pr pray for Equip Ministries. This ministry is exploding, and it really warrants itself me going full-time. There's so much to do, and I am so excited about it. Talked to the guy the other day that says, every time you talk about Equip Ministries, you light up. You light up. And I said, I love ministering to pastors overseas. I love training them. I love being with them. I, I, love, I love encouraging them. It, it has changed my life, and I will do it until I can't do it anymore. That's what we would all want. Do something with your life that will matter, that you would do to your dying breath. So pray for Equip Ministries, if you would. And uh, this is not a support time. You know we have to raise support for Equip Ministries. There are some of you in here tonight, you are already a partner with us and you are praying and you are giving and we appreciate it. If God by any chance would lay that upon your heart that you would say, how can I help? The first and foremost thing is we want you to be giving to your church. Give to your church. But you got a lot more left. So give it to Equip Ministries. We're thankful, guys. I have felt it. And I wanted to make sure I expressed it tonight. So thank you for all that you've done. I'm going to ask Mike Duman to come on up and to uh, pray for us tonight. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this evening. God, we thank you for the study that, that we've been in these past couple weeks. I pray that each and every one of us, as we've been challenged, we would apply uh, your word to our life. God, that we would be men who encourage others. And God, we thank you for Craig and his ministry uh, and just where you're calling him. And God, you've been sending him. He's always had this heart for training pastors and you've provided the opportunity. You've opened doors for him. You've made it abundantly clear. God, we ask that you would bless him. Pray that you would provide for him financially, spiritually, emotionally, protect him and his marriage God, I pray that you would just open more doors for him to minister overseas, God, that he would be able to train pastors to do the work of ministry well. God, would you strengthen him? And God, we pray for this ministry that he's been a part of and leading for 25 years, and he has just poured his heart out. God, he's not only delivered the gospel, but his very life here. So Lord, we thank you for what he's done. We thank you for what he's offered. God, I pray that the men's ministry and Thursday nights, that the best days would be ahead, that we would see more men come to faith in Christ, we would see more men uh, lead their families well, and God, would you give us wisdom, and Lord, would you get all the glory, because that's what it's about in the end. Would you help us to serve Christ? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.